the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, third hour of the show. A lot to do, a lot to take care of, and a lot of stuff coming at us today on this beautiful Wednesday. If you missed Dr. Jorge and Wellness Wednesday, if you missed my explanation of the hypocrisy of the liberal media as they salivate over the suit the Times filed against Fox and, and claims the president was approving stories on Fox, if you missed the the juxtaprogressivism, the hypocrisy I exposed out of MSNBC. You have to download the show and listen to the first two hours. It's just that simple. Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough caught red-handed, breathing heavily over the potential of the suit against Fox when they themselves were the ones who asked Donald Trump, are, are these questions going to be okay? Nothing too hard, right? Is that okay? And then waited uh, before that for Valerie Jarrett to send her approval of the content that they were talking about each morning on Morning Joe. So high and mighty folks over in the liberal media, your schadenfreude is also going to betray you just a little bit. Uh, there's also a vital question of the day that's posted today's the anniversary, the birthday, the first time we saw the copper Lincoln head penny in 1909. And I say it's time to get rid of the damn penny. It's a, it's a money waster. It's a loser. And I think it's time for us to move on and just get rid of the penny and, and we'll, we'll get over it, I'm sure. But you can take the poll. It's on Twitter at StuntBrain. Also joining us right now, uh, yesterday we talked about the iPhone 8 and the fact that the iPhone 8 is probably going to have facial recognition software on it. And I, I don't think it's going to be optional. I think it's going to be there and, and be checking out your face and then that's going to be available everywhere all the time. And I think somebody who is probably as creeped out about it or ang as angry about it as I am is joining us uh, right now on the phone. Uh, author Frank Miniter is with us. Frank has a new book out called Kill Big Brother. I, I want to get to your book, Frank. But first of all, I got to welcome you to the show, sir. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me here. Well, I, you know, Frank, I want to talk about the new book, obviously. But we, we also have to talk about some of your previous books, especially since the, the running of the Bulls has just finished in Pamplona, Spain. And uh, you went off on this, this uh, pursuit of what makes a man a man and all about manliness. And you went on this, this expedition, if you will, to chase down Hemingway's route. Uh, you're still in one piece, I take it. How did that come out? I had a couple of close calls, um, and I, I did one one day put myself in a position where I was very lucky. Um, but no, I, I haven't been injured. But uh, I got to do the, every part of that that whole sequence. I even did the suicide run at the beginning, running the bulls, where you actually run at the bulls and dodge to the side at the last second. Well, I, you're a braver man than I. And um, are you a married man? I sure am, and I have a young child, so it's it's doubly stupid. But uh, <laughs> you know, as men, we have to push ourselves and test ourselves. We don't 
go out and do real things, if we just sit there on video games or even just reading books and, and learning intellectually, that's not going to get us there. As men, we have to go out and physically push ourselves in order to break, wall, break through walls within ourselves to grow up into who we really want to be. Thank you. I'm glad you said that because I'm having the same conversation. But Frank had that book. It was out last fall. It's called This Will Make a Man of You, One Man's Search for Hemingway and Manhood in a Changing World. It's out there. And uh, it, it's very enjoyable following following Hemingway's path. But uh, I salute you for that. It's a <laughs> it's a, a very interesting quest, and I'm glad you turned it into something that also was profitable. I hope. I, I assume it was. <laughs> no, it, it sure was. And and why can't we be both? I mean, why why do we just have to be intellectual these days? I think a guy like like Hemingway should be able to sit in a Paris cafe and feel at home, and sit in a, a safari tent in, in Africa with lions roaring outside, and and feel good about it. I think that's the both sides of the man, being that courageous hero we all really want to be, but we just don't see today with all these snowflakes. You're absolutely right, Frank. You're 100% right. Now, uh, I want to get into the, the new book. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I was reading the summary of it, and I, this is, I, I jumped to get you in because yesterday we talked about the iPhone 8, and the iPhone 8 is going to be based solely the identifier is not going to be on, from what we're hearing, on the fingerprint, but on facial recognition. And I started getting a little creeped out by this. I started getting a little nervous about it. And have you heard anything about this one? Yeah, that's the talk. Um, and, it, and it is kind of creepy to think we're going to have to go into this world where facial recognition is a part of our lives. But you can't stop technology. It already is. What we have to do is control how this stuff is used and where it goes legislatively, which is totally what we need to do. You can't stop technology any, any more than the NSA can, can stop the, the dark part of the web. They'd have to shut down the whole Internet to do that. Um, so you're not going to stop it. Um, but what scares me about this is the FBI already has a database that has half of the American adults in it. They're, they've been going to states, 18 states have already given them photos from their Department of Motor uh, Vehicle Bureaus. Um, and they've used passport photos and other photos to create this big database. It isn't of criminals, but just of the American populace. And they've done this without government oversight, without reporting this as illegally we're supposed to. The government accounting offices this last spring gave them a very hard time about that, by jumping around the law the way they did to create this database. So the big question is, how is this going to be used, especially when you see Motorola now announcing they're going to, they, they make some cameras that uh, cops use as body cameras. When I, they're, they're, they're saying they're, they're coming up with new technology that will allow that to, to do facial recognition. So could that then be tied into this FBI, FBI database, and then a cop could be standing outside of a oh, political meeting, a gun show, a, a church, whatever, profiling us and where we go in society? Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. Uh, I have one of the um, licenses when, when I came up for renewal this last time, it asked me if I wanted to spend the extra, whatever it was, five bucks, and get a federally recognized driver's license. And I said no on the kiosk, because you can renew automatically. And it said, okay, but just know your, your ID can't be used as federal, a federal ID. And I thought, wait a minute, what are they doing? And I still went through and got the no. And on the very top of my driver's license is the designation not to be used as a federal ID. Now, no one's ever, I've, I've flown, I've been in and out of buildings in Washington, D.C., and used my driver's license as an ID. No one's ever stopped me, but I assumed my five bucks then was going to fund the FBI's collection of my face. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the report of that, that that is funding it. They they went and made private agreements between all these states, and that didn't come out until the Government Accounting Office looked into it. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think we have to get ahead of this and say, okay, how how should these photos be used? Because this is also a great uh, thing for police officers because they can identify just through their body camera. They can identify a wanted criminal, for example. I mean, isn't that something we want? If that person really is wanted, they've broken the law, they've given up a certain amount of their rights, we want them caught just for our own safety. But should they be profiling us? No. So we have to insist that Congress gets ahead of this stuff. Uh, we have to understand it to, to, in order to tell Congress to get there, uh, which is what really drove me to write Kill Big Brother. I think we're falling behind the times, giving into these false premises that technology by its very nature kills privacy, which it does not do. It also protects privacy. We just have to insist that it actually protects privacy. Yeah, it's uh, you. You sound like you have uh, have a little bit of Rand Paul's thinking in you. I I, I appreciate <laughs> I Rand. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love Rand Paul standing up for the Fourth Amendment to let us be secure in our papers and and let us be safe from government constant monitoring. And it it just it sounds like a kindred spirit has been found here. So I'm I'm very happy to make your acquaintance, Frank. We're talking to Frank Minotaur about his. His new book, and we've been talking seriously about uh, government intervention into our lives and data collection and facial recognition collection, but the book is a novel. This is not actually uh, a textbook. This is uh, a bit of fiction, correct? It is. You know, I started it as nonfiction. I've always been a nonfiction writer, but as I, as I, as I spoke to NSA spooks and hackers and c- computer forensic experts, they all wanted to be on background. It's just the nature of those kind of guys. I ended up in all these encrypted conversations with these interesting people, kind of strange people sometimes, but interesting people. But they just they all wanted to be in background. And I couldn't write an honest nonfiction book with all the sources being anonymous. You know, it just it sort of was you know, the antithesis of what I was trying to do. So I thought, let me make, make this fiction. Let me use what's really going on now, make it contemporary, and show people what's really, all the laws in it, everything talked about is real. But let me put a fictional character and a composite character in there to show where we are now and where we're going so that people know how to keep their freedom in this digital age. Well, so entertaining and also a little bit of a how-to, a DIY on our, our own individual protections. Uh, what, what, are, what are the basics we can do, Frank, to, to, to kind of build a, a wall around our information digitally? Well, personally, there, there are lots of things we can do. There, there are apps now. I mean, I, I use Signal uh, that you can use and then encrypt all your messages, your phone calls, your texts um, automatically depending on who you're talking to, um, as long as they have the app as well. And there are other popular apps, and that's actually the one Edward Snowden actually is supposed to use. Um, but there are others, and there's this, all this emerging technology now that's designed to make it more private and to help us. Um, I also use a, a VPN when, I, when I'm speaking to sources and things, a, a virtual privacy network, which isn't that hard to set up, that then cloaks my activity online, does, does things. It, it, again, it isn't that difficult, and these products are getting better and easier to use. So much so, nothing scares the intelligence agencies more than an iPhone they can't crack or an encryption they don't have a back door into. You know, these, the technology has been taking off to such an extent. I think people are falling behind. They're thinking, I can't do anything. I just have to give all, all my privacy. That's actually not true. There's great technolo- technological ways for you to, uh, to protect your own privacy. Yeah, I think we just all got a little lazy because the convenience of picking up the phone and putting your thumb on the bottom of it and suddenly you can buy anything, unlock the phone, do whatever you want. Uh, we all wanted it, not now, but five minutes ago. And so to, to have to sit and actually set up an app that might encrypt your stuff, a lot of people don't have the, uh, I guess, the four minutes of patience that it takes to get it done. And that's, that's what's concerning to me. Now, you mentioned uh, in the book uh, that uh, the the book is called Kill Big Brother. It's a novel. But you also mentioned in there you reveal that what Congress should do with Section 702 
of the FISA Amendments Act. Now, uh, 702 is a particularly interesting piece of legislation or a particularly interesting piece of of uh, of that that bit of legislation. That's the Massey Lofgren amend- amendment, correct? Yeah, and you know, if they're what they're doing is they're scooping up, and they won't even Congress asked them, Congressman asked them, uh, the intelligence agencies, how many U.S. citizens are you listening on? They, they, as a, as a result of this law, um, and they were unable or unwilling to answer that question. You know, is it millions? Is it tens of thousands? How many are being listened in on? So as a journalist, if I'm speaking to a source overseas or another journalist, or if I have attorney-client privilege and I'm speaking to an attorney, I mean, all that's listened in on anyway, despite my Fourth Amendment protections. So we obviously need the Congress to come in here, not just renew this the way the intelligence agencies want, but to look at this and say, well, wait a second, uh, there has to be a way we can use the Fourth Amendment to apply this, to approve these warrants, so they're not warrantless wiretapping, so they're not going against our Constitution. There must be a quick way we can do that. The FISA court might be small and unwieldy, but I got to think in this technological day and age that there's a smarter way we can do that. Well, I hope so. I, you know, it's, it is a... It's a tightrope because you do want to be safe. You do want to make sure that those bad actors outside of the country are not getting free access to, to get in here and, and, and have conversations with people. But I, like you, I don't want my conversations listened to. And if somebody says, well, what if you're not doing anything wrong? What are you worried about? My privacy is not up for debate. It, it never has been. It never will be. And if you just want to help, if they, it doesn't help to give the intelligence agency carte blanche to listen to all of our conversations because they get flooded with too much information and, and they end up missing things they shouldn't be missing. Uh, we even saw that in 9-11. They, they end up missing these basic things. Good police work is what's needed, not the, the taking away our constitutional freedoms. Great point. Very great point. It's, it's, it's about restricting it so that you don't have the unnecessary stuff clogging up the system. If you guys want to learn more about uh, FISA 702, it's actually uh, on the Intelligence House files, and I will, I'll tweet out a link to that because I think it's an important thing about our security. Uh, I, I don't want to get too far away from the book. The book is Kill Big Brother. It's a novel. It's a thriller. It's from Frank Miniter, who you, you may know from a more serious and also tongue-in-cheek series of books about manliness and you can find frank everywhere bookstores everywhere frank i hope you will come back i hope uh you'll consider this a friendly place to visit and stop by when you have something you want to talk about well anytime and thanks for having me thank you sir have a good rest of your day i'll tweet out a link to frank's book and i'll tweet out a link to that 702 and we'll take a break and be right back on pure opelka you're listening to pure opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. We're going to get back to the... Uh one of the topics here of, that's bouncing around the news, and I, I think the networks have kind of backed off the discussion of the the news that the Trump Justice Department is going to open up the opportunity for a discussion on affirmative action. We'll get to that in just a minute. I have to remind you of something that I do that works for me, and I, I think it would work for you. As a matter of fact, 
the people that I've talked to who have used Relief Factor, the all-natural ingredient-based helper that makes the irritation in my knees and my neck and my back go down so I don't have the pain, and it's, uh, it's, it's changed my life. I haven't taken a painkiller or any kind of source in months. That's my story. It's worked for so many people. As a matter of fact, people who buy Relief Factor, people who get the three-week quick start pack, which is nineteen ninety-five, 80% of them buy it again. 80%. So that means it must be working for that 80%. And it's so easy. It comes in these little handy packets with the, the naturally harvested fish oil and the other natural ingredients, the... Uh, all of, I, I, I want to name them individually, but, but I can't. These are essential nutrients that are there. And they're built by doctors to help reduce the inflammation which causes the pain. If you want to try it yourself, you can go to relieffactor.com. You can also pick up the phone and call them at triple, I'm not, not triple eight. The phone number to speak to one of the people at Relief Factor is 800 500 I got a a significant portion of my life back because I can now spend time outdoors walking on the golf course. I'm up and down the stairs and I don't have the pain. You can get yours back too. Just, uh, it works for so many people. Relief Factor. ReliefFactor.com or call them at 800-500-8384. I was mentioning a, a, a couple of stories. Like I said, we're going to get to the, uh, the story about, about the affirmative action and what the Trump administration is planning on doing. But uh, there's a, a firm in, in uh, New Jersey that's doing it wrong. A guy who was just starting as a security guard for an armored car service, as a matter of fact, fired on his first day Fired on his first day because 19-year-old Larry Brooks thought the free samples amounted to uh, $100,000. He allegedly stole $100,000 in cash on day one of his job with an armored car company. He was caught on surveillance video systems. You're 19. Your whole life you've been inundated with technology and a culture that has eyes on you from birth and and to to everywhere you went you don't know they're going to have video cameras on a on an armored truck holding money he was caught thanks to those videos security officers and local police were able to recover a bunch of the cash $85,900 which means Larry might have had a little party. He's been charged with second-degree theft and released on his own recognizance. But I'm sure the people from the armored truck company are going to be doing a little update on their vetting process of their new employees. Day one, you steal a hundred grand. You're doing it wrong, sir. Not that day two would have been any better, but. What were you thinking, Larry? We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. A lot going on today. Uh, just I, I enjoyed our conversation with Frank Minotaur. I, I thought that was fascinating. Interesting to see a guy like him go from writing uh, nonfiction to fiction and trying to use the, non- the fiction to teach us lessons in the nonfiction world. Fascinating. There are a couple of stories I want to get to before we jump into the discussion over affirmative action, which I think is going to be an ongoing discussion. There's some some crazy news out there. Out of uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the honeymoon ended before it began. Kate Elizabeth Pritchard, who's just 25 years old, pulled a gun from her wedding dress and pointed it at her new husband, Just hours after they exchanged vows, the police, of course, were called. And according to the police, the newlyweds had been drinking. Gee, you think? The newlyweds. First of all, um, how many wedding dresses have room for a holster? And uh, Miss Pritchard must have been planning on this because uh, I I really... She had to actually think about carrying a firearm into the wedding. Pulled a gun from her wedding dress. Hello, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You are now ahead of Florida today in Wacky Stories. Also ahead of Florida today, Pelham, New Hampshire, where cops had to help a guy out of a car. He crashed his car. It was a fiery crash. And uh, the tires were exploding because of the fire. Cops showed up and 53-year-old Michael Hines didn't want to get out of the car. He said, I can handle it. I can handle it. He said, I'm a mechanic. I got this. The officers pulled him out anyway. And then when they got him out of the car and they were walking him away from the burning vehicle, he ran back and tried to get back into the car as the tires were exploding. Police thought there might be something suspicious here and searched. And, gee, you wonder why Michael was running back to the car trying to get back inside? Uh, He was charged with possession of cocaine, as well as being under the influence when he was driving. Also, a, a, a new thing available on 2018 Ford Mustangs, a new option you can order, the good neighbor mode. I've never seen the good neighbor mode on any other car, but this this good neighbor mode is something that came about after an executive at the Ford Motor Company said one of his neighbors called the police on him because he was revving the V8 engine of his Ford Mustang and it was too loud. The police were summoned to the house. He loves the sound of the V8, but he said, you can't annoy people in your neighborhood. Uh, I found out the hard way. So he had the engineers at Ford actually develop 
a button you can push, the good neighbor mode button, which actually limits the exhaust noise. Kind of an interesting idea. I wonder if that was part of a negotiated settlement in whatever legal action was taken. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And uh, it's a visual, but I'm sure by now most of you have seen the, um, the cow with the face that looks like Gene Simmons' face when he's in makeup for Kiss. This is out of Kerrville, Texas. Kerrville, not too far outside of San Antonio, northwest of San Antonio. I've been to Kerrville. Beautiful part of the state. Well, there's a newborn calf that has black and white markings on his face. And if you've seen the pictures, it's undeniable. It does look like the cow should be owned by Kiss. The people who own the cow have named it Genie in honor of Gene Simmons, who is actually tweeting it himself. So I, I'll tw- if you haven't seen it by now, I'd be surprised. But I will tweet a picture of Genie, the cow, who looks like Gene Simmons from Kiss. Let's just hope uh, it's not as idiotic as Gene Simmons from Kiss. Now, the, a lot of folks are, are sparking interesting conversations debate today, debating the, the Trump administration and this rumor that the Department of Justice is, is going to reopen cases and make available cases involving affirmative action. Last June, the Supreme Court ruled that a a case involving a white student who was against affirmative action at the University of Texas, they ruled that the schools could continue using race as one of many factors among admission decisions. And I grew up in the 60s and the 70s when America was still trying to wrap its head around its racist past and trying to heal and move forward. I went to school with kids of many different colors, black, white, brown. There were Asians, there were African-Americans, there were kids who said they were just black, they didn't want to be called African-American. There are kids from all over. I didn't experience, I don't think, any affirmative action issues when I went to school, but then you started hearing that there were quotas and the universities put in quotas to try and make sure that African-American students, black students, brown students were not disadvantaged. And then when schools realized or when students realized it was a numbers thing, you started seeing Asian students wanting to say, well, we need to represent this number of population of every school because we represent this population of of people in the country. I'm one of those people who believes that the minute we elected Barack Obama, that affirmative action is done. Now, does that mean there aren't places where there still exists a need to try and help folks who've been disadvantaged in early parts of their lives and may not have had the same advantages in education? I think we should look at it. But overall, I am totally against affirmative action. And I I think it it does create uh, a bias against people who had absolutely nothing to do. I didn't pick my race. And if you're going to penalize me because of the fact that I was born white, 
How is that any different than someone penalizing someone who was born black? And I realize that there are folks who are going to say, Mike, you have no idea. No idea. And you know what? Explain to me how I'm different. Explain to me. I didn't choose it. That's, that's the same argument that a gay person will give you. I didn't choose to be gay, they will say. An Asian person will say the same. But I'm watching to see if, if this story is going to get legs. I think it will. The Trump administration is, is going to have a new push to challenge affirmative action in colleges. And it will open up a volatile debate. I don't know if it'll head back to the Supreme Court. We'll have to see where this goes. This, is, this all came to light because an internal Justice Department memo that talked about, quote, investigations and possible litigation related to intentional race-based discrimination showed up. Now, I wonder if this is the Trump administration's way of telling colleges the 60 years of, of indoctrinating minds is over. The 60 years of progressive control of colleges is ending. I just wonder. I wonder if something like that could be at the heart of all of this. Watch this space. Affirmative action is going to be a topic to in, for days to come. And we may have a, a vital question on it in the future. And a couple of guests who we tried to get on today, but it was a last minute thing. So they weren't able to get here. We'll see. Stay tuned. Uh, when we get back, and I, I am stepping aside here. When we get back, I told you earlier this year that my two big issues this year are going to be keeping the heat on helping our veterans get the care they deserve. And there was a little bit of news yesterday as some of the money was actually allocated to help our veterans and veterans health care. Not enough money, but some of the money. And um, the opioid crisis. And I want to talk about both of those because on Monday, we talked about the mayor of Nashville and the fact that her 22-year-old son died of an overdose. Well, there's another famous name who experienced a loss over the weekend. And yeah, I just want to keep the heat on the fact that we have to be moving forward and pressing on the opioid crisis in this country. Uh, this one... This one, I, I, it hit close to home because it's somebody I really respect and I feel badly for he and his family. I'll explain next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. David Faraday, golf announcer, a guy I've watched for years. And uh, he became an American citizen. And last year they asked him on the 4th of July, was that the proudest moment of your life? 
It was certainly one of them. Um, it was one of the most important moments in my life. It was the 23rd of February, 2010, a, a day that uh, I'll never forget. You know, coming from Northern Ireland, you have the choice of being uh, Irish or both. And I never really thought about much about what I was until uh, we won the Dunhill Cup in, in 1990 and they raised the Irish flag and played the national anthem. And I got a lump in my throat. I thought, well, I'm Irish. And uh, I had the same reaction when, uh, uh, when I was uh, given American citizenship at my uh, ceremony. Uh, I got that lump in my throat again. And uh, it's not a political or a, a geographical thing. It's an emotional thing. And, uh, you know, I'm 100% American from that moment on. Amazing. He is, he is a very talented guy. And he chose to be an American. He respects this country. He doesn't talk politics. He talks golf and he has a good time. And he's a really interesting man. And David Faraday's one of those guys you feel like you know him when you watch him. So when he announced yesterday that his his 29-year-old son died of a drug overdose this weekend on his 29th birthday, your heart breaks for the family. So the opioid crisis is now everywhere. Can we encourage our lawmakers? I'm in touch with one of my senators. I'm in a very blue state, but I'm in touch with one of my senators, and we are trying to push every angle, every place we can to get the opioid crisis addressed, at least to have that Narcon or Narcan in, in every household where someone knows there is an addict so their life may be saved. And the next step is to cut off the supply. And then the next step is to help the treatment. We've now lost the child of a mayor of a major city. We've lost the child of a major personality in the sports world, of the, the broadcast end of it indeed and countless thousands around the country. What's it going to take to bring attention to this crisis? I don't know. I don't know. But I know we can't afford to lose 30,000 people a year to something that we could beat, and we should be able to beat it. Keep the pressure on locally. Keep the pressure on locally. And as I get ready to get out of here today and make room for Chris Salcedo, that liberty-loving Latino, uh, I remind you, today is August 2nd. Today's the day we lost the first Navy SEAL in Iraq. Mark Lee was killed in Iraq on this day years ago. My gosh, it's, I think it was 2006. Debbie Lee, his mom, a gold star mom, has dedicated her life to helping survivors who served in this country, who served in our military, survivors who aren't getting the help they need as well. If you have a moment today, visit americasmightywarriors.org. Check out the work that's being done to support the soldiers who return and need help, whether it's counseling, whether it's a direction into programs to get the treatments they need, or whether it's just a place to hang out with others who are going through the same trouble. We salute Debbie Lee today, a woman who lost her son 
Mark Lee, the first SEAL killed in Iraq. Rest in peace, Mark Lee. And uh, God bless Debbie Lee and everybody with America's Mighty Warriors doing great work for the people we owe a lot to, all of our freedoms. Michael Pelka, I'm Puro Pelka. Tomorrow, uh, we'll tackle whatever craziness comes up. And uh, maybe, maybe we'll get to whether or not that story about hipsters and the people refusing to get their dogs vaccinated because they might get autism is real. I have my suspicions. It's a funny story nonetheless, but I have my suspicions. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.